This show is brought to you by earpeeler.com. What's up, everybody? This is John Bush from Armored Saint, and you are cranking it up. Hey there, this is Joey Vera from Armored Saints, and you are listening to Mars Attack. This is Doyle Wolfgang von Frankenstein of Doyle, and you are listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, what do you say? Be careful, because Mars Attacks. This is Bobby Blitz from Overkill. You stay tuned. Hey, this is Chuck Billy from Testament right here on Mars Attacks. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dave Windorf from Monster Magnet, and you are listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, what's happening? This is Tommy Victor from Prong and Danzig. Hey, all, here's Andrea Peter from Sepultura and De La Tierra, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Enjoy. Yo, what's up? This is Frank Fellow from Anthrax, and you are listening to Mars Attack. Turn it up! Hey, this is Richard Patrick from Filter, and you're listening to Mars Attack. Hello, everybody. This is Max Cavalera, Soulfly. You're listening to Mars Attack. Stay metal. This is Brant Bjork. And you're listening to Mars Attacks. So keep listening. Hey, what's up? This is Kyle from The Sword, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hi, people out there. It's Herman Frank speaking. You're listening to Mars Attacks broadcast. Welcome, one and all, to episode 147 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor. And we are back with not only a new interview, but we also have one from the archives. That's right, one that did not air when it was originally recorded, which is what I'm trying to do here to sort of round these shows out. So for part one of the episode, we will have Herman Frank, who you may know from Except, maybe the band Panzer, or maybe the band Victory. Uh, He's been involved in a ton of other projects as a musician and as a producer and as a songwriter, so Herman is not new to the hard rocker metal scene at all. So uh, this interview was conducted right around the time that his latest album uh, came out, which was in the uh, late fall. Uh, Definitely a really cool album. I mean, if you're into uh, like the last few Accept albums, uh, definitely something that I would recommend you check out. It's definitely up along those lines. Uh, so the, the album is called The Devil Rides Out. We will check out some tracks off of that during this episode. Uh, for part two of the episode, or for the second half, I should say, we have Max Portnoy from the band Next to None. If the last name rings a bell, that's Mike Portnoy of Dream Theater fame's son. And he has his own outfit. Again, it's called Next to None. And this was recorded roughly a year before the uh, Herman Frank interview was recorded. And he gets into talking about different shows that they're going to be doing. And obviously those shows took place in 2015. So (laughs) if you're looking forward to next to none playing with fate's warning, for example, that already took place. So uh, my apologies for not getting this out sooner, but I wanted to straighten it out. And it's still, I think cool to uh, revisit this interview and still shed some light on Max's band uh, because They're a bunch of young guys that have a bright future, 
and uh, he talks about uh, working with everyone, working with his dad as the producer, his influences, so on and so forth. So it's uh, it's a really cool interview, and with Herman, it's funny because he talks about his daughter, so it's almost like a, a family thing going on during this episode because we have, you know, Herman talking about his daughter and Max talking about his dad, so there you go. So in recent weeks, I've been launching all these other podcasts uh, since the beginning of the year. We're, uh, we're almost halfway through the first month of the year, and I've gone back and I've relaunched two old podcasts. That would be the Victor M. Ruiz podcast that can be found on, well, everything that I'm going to mention can be found on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play. Uh, and also, each one of these sites has links to the social media, the various social media links at the top and the bottom. And they also have links to the RSS if you're using some sort of Android program that, um, or even on iPhone. If you use something that is outside of the you know, iTunes, Google Play, um, Stitcher type deal, you can take that RSS and run with that as well. You're, you're not subjected to only use those forms uh, or those ways of listening to the show. So I put that up there to facilitate things for, for people because there are people out there that like to use other programs. So there's that. I just want to make sure people know that. So getting back to it, the Victor M. Ruiz podcast, uh, that is me basically. It's a 15-minute show, roughly 15 minutes, comes out once a week is what I'm trying to do with that. And these last few weeks, I've talked about different tech things, and this, what I released yesterday actually was about videos that I see or different articles in magazines about how to sound like this band or or that other band on a budget. And what I call into question is, whose budget are, (laughs) are they talking about? I mean, the articles seem to be geared towards kids or people that are learning and I just don't see it how, you know, how, how it could work out that some of these things that they're, that they're trying to sell are for kids because, I mean, it's just the prices are out there. So you can check that out. Uh, you could also check out our relaunched Fusion Sonica, which was my original podcast. It was originally done in Spanish, but... What I decided to do was to make it a half-hour hard rock and metal show where uh, the first episode was basically a tribute to Cozy Pal. It didn't start out that way, but it did end up that way. It was sort of a, you know, (laughs) while we were in the middle of things, I realized, you know, what the hell, it was his birthday last month, and he was a huge influence on me as a drummer, so why not? A bunch of tracks that Cozy had played on, so... There's that, and episode two of that podcast is coming out. Uh, I'm recording this on January 14th. That next episode comes out on January 22nd, roughly at midnight Pacific Standard Time. Uh, so 3 a.m. Uh, 3 a.m. What is it? Uh, Eastern. Yeah, there you go. And uh, the next episode is based on New York hard rock and metal band, so a half hour of that. So basically, Fusion Sonica is just a half hour music show. And the weeks were that, 
it doesn't debut, we have another show called No Metal Cred, which the title more or less says it all. It's just music that is rock or pop or, or other types of music that I'm into that wouldn't fit either under the Mars Attacks or Fusion Sonica bandwagon. So there. Uh, that's what I'm doing with those shows. And a second episode of No Metal Cred comes out tomorrow. And another place where, or actually I should say, the various websites are victoremruiz.com, fusionsonica.com, and nometalcred.com. In any event, right on the Mars Attacks radio website, you have links to each individual site on the right-hand side of the page. Also on Mars Attacks, we have... Well, we have links to not only our great um, advertising platform, which is called AdvertiseCast. So if you want to advertise anything, a product, a band, a band song, so on and so forth, uh, if you want to have your commercials added to either the site or to the podcast, then go go click on where it says advertise on the right hand side top right hand side and we will go and and add whatever it is that you want us to promote on the site so if you go to advertisecast.com and also look for Mars Attacks podcast you'll also find it that way but like i said there are links directly right there on the marsattacksradio.com website the top right hand corner next to that merch uh, we have the merch store in full effect. I had some designs made up, so beyond the basic white ringer that we had, we have a bunch of different things. We have uh, a hoodie, we have a black t-shirt, we have um, a woman's, uh, it's called a canvas fitted burnout shirt, uh, a three-quarters t-shirt as well, baseball caps, and for shits and giggles, I added boxers and, and women's boy shorts so i doubt we'll get any hits on any of those last two but hey who knows so i'm just throwing it out there uh anything any any type of um purchase that you make uh we get a small profit off of that uh the the prices believe me are are based on what's provided to us and uh, there are some things that are a little more affordable than others, but, uh, you know, check them out. Nobody's holding a, a gun to anyone's head. If you want to help out and purchase a t-shirt, please go ahead and do so. And outside of that, you guys know that we have links to Amazon and to other uh, merchants on MarsAttacksRadio.com. Uh, we get a small, small kickback for anything that you purchase. So if you're going to buy anything on Amazon... You know, like I said on on one of my other podcasts as I was recording it yesterday, I know that there are other podcasts that make hundreds of dollars a month uh, off of people. And shit, I'd love to get there, but <laughs> there's probably uh, no, no way that that'll ever happen. But anything that you provide us, uh, from a sale or any lead that you provide us is greatly, greatly, greatly appreciated. So we have links on all the sites that I mentioned. Plus, at the beginning of the show, we mentioned Ear Peeler, who sponsors 
this show and everything else that I do. Ear Peeler is my podcasting news site. So if you don't want to keep track of all the individual shows that I do on the various sites, you could always go to Ear Peeler and find out the latest news about when your favorite artists are being interviewed, maybe interviews they've done in the past. Maybe you want to check out a radio show that um, you're not familiar with. Uh, and you want to find out music of a certain style, you want to find a doom metal radio show, well, you can go click on doom metal or radio show or music episode, and you'll find information pertaining to that right there on Ear Peeler. So it's a great way of checking out new shows and new music as well. Uh, We've expanded things to, you know, (laughs) increase the traffic flow. Uh, we've added uh, comedy podcasts, we've added wrestling podcasts, uh, sci-fi podcasts, and a, a few other things here and there, and we'll probably continue to do so because the name of the game is generating traffic after all. So, But the main focus is still uh, music, uh, hard rock, and metal, namely. But uh, there are other things sprinkled in there because, I mean, I, th- I think that a lot of people like checking out different types of music, different types of podcasts, maybe a topic comes up that interests them. So, hey, why not offer it? Speaking of giving, I got to give a big thanks to Metal Dan. Metal Dan, I know from way back in the Talking Metal forum days, and he sent a very, very nice donation this week. He asked if I could do the the preacher. I may do an, an entire episode as the preacher in the future. I sort of did it with uh, Fusion Sonica when um, you'll hear on the episode that I do. I release on the 22nd where I do um, uh, the preacher doing an, an intro to a Ramon song. So we'll leave it at that. It's based on it's based on New York City. But um, Metal Dan, I have to thank you for contributing to the call. Then... Based on what you had sent to me, you asked for a very nice request. And we're going to get to that request right now. This is a band featuring not only Alice Cooper's daughter, Calico, but it also features his very own bass player, Chuck Garrick. What I want you to do is get down and pray for Bisto Blanco. And we're going to get into a track by Bisto Blanco right now. This is coming off of Live Fast, Die Loud. This is a track called California. Hallelujah and play loud.
go. The track is California from Bisto Blanco. Thank you once again to Metal Dan for helping the cause out. Thank you and an amen to you, brother. So, there you go. In any event, let's get on into what we usually do here. What we usually try to do anyway. We're going to get into some Herman Frank here. And then we're going to jump into the interview. Uh, this is coming off of his recently released The Devil Rides Out. The name of this track is Shout. with 
so many bands over the years, both as a musician and as a producer. But a few years ago, you decided to start releasing things as a solo artist. What made you decide to go in that direction? Um, the first thought a couple of years ago, I mean, it was, if I do a solo project, then I can write music whenever I want to. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to wait for any band members or stuff like that. And so I could take my own pace. Right. And so I started. But right now, when I'm kind of like freelancer now, <laughs> let's put it this way, right. I, do have, I do have time enough to come up with my own schedule. So I think it, uh, I, uh, that's the reason why I formed a band uh, up from the third record now. Okay. And as far as putting that band together, how difficult was it for you to find the right ingredients to work on this album? Not that that difficult for, for, for surprise. I mean, it was obvious. I talked to Rick over the last couple of years, and we always wanted to put out another one after a follower for Right in the Guts. Uh, but then he was in Mastermind, I was in uh, a Master Plan, and I was in Accept, so we didn't find any time. And then when I left Accept, uh, it was ready. We had been ready for, for to do the third album. So I sent him out my new ideas and uh, went up to Sweden to his home, to, to, to his house and to his little studio. So we started work, working on a couple of new songs. And then we said, oh, we might need a drummer <laughs> <laughs> and a bass player. And I know Andre for a couple of years now. I met him a lot, lot of times uh, during festivals we did together. And so it was obvious, because he's a fantastic drummer, and, uh, and we always uh, said, hey, we should do some music together. So it was obvious that I called Andre up, and he was not with Rage anymore, so he had free time. And he was re- really pretty excited to do the drumming for, for, for the new record. And so we just missed the bass player. And so I asked, like, hey, I don't know anybody, any, any, anybody around my area, I don't have really contact to any bass player. So he said, oh, I, I knew one. He's, he's a really good-looking guy, and he, he's able to play the bass, too. So that was Mühle. Uh, so, so I contact Mühle, and after a couple of... Uh, he, he came up to Hanover to my house, and we jammed in, in his studio, and it was really tight. And so it was from the from the right from the we knew that we are going to do this together. And when putting the material together, was there anything that you wanted to purposely do different with this album? Or what we hear on the album is what just sort of organically came out while you were writing? I mean, I don't think I don't, don't, don't think that much when I start writing any, any songs or something. I mean, for sure, I, I was always looking for put the most energy in a song and the most thing I can get out of my soul or my, my heart to, to make this song happen, each each and every song, single song. I'm not writing an album like a concept or something. Mm-hmm. I've just put out, I just try to put out good songs. And so I wrote maybe 15, 20 songs. And then finally, you see, you got the picture. It might, this album might sound in this way. So then you cut down on 12 songs and 
you have the album of <laughs> you might have the album but it's a lot of work i mean it's, it's step by step you know do you feel that you write differently for your own solo work as opposed to when you've worked with other bands in the past no i always try to do my best okay i mean no there's no difference there, there's no difference i mean maybe it's a little bit tougher to judge if it's a good song or if if you should put it on the record or not because judging more or less by your own when you do the, your demos and but all in all I, I i still find it pretty exciting to create an album okay and that was actually one of my questions being that you've been a producer with so many different uh, bands and different albums and whatnot, is it harder for you to be objective with your own work as opposed to someone else's work? It's much harder. It's much harder to to judge your own work. I mean, the the, the good thing for as a producer, you just have to listen to the to the band, <laughs> <laughs> and it's easy to and and you come. It's much easier to come with, with some ideas or to help them out with some new material or writing, uh, uh, help, help them out with writing. I, it's, it's easier to have the, for, for, for the, their, their music a couple of ideas or a lot of ideas. If you do your own thing, you always have to think, oh, I don't have to copy myself. Oops, <laughs> I got this riff already <laughs> in um, 20 years ago or <laughs> something like that. Right. So it's, it's, I think it's more tough. And so I bring back, often I bring back a couple of my new songs and play to my wife or to my, my, my daughter. And my daughter is the, 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 the toughest judge because she says, oh, daddy, you did this. <laughs> you did this already a couple of years ago. I know this song. <laughs> so it's kind of like tough to come up with something, something new. That's, that's actually uh, pretty cool. So it's one of these rare cases where your daughter's actually into the music that you do as opposed to you hear about so many musicians where their kids aren't impressed by their parents <laughs> being musicians <laughs> oh no she 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 loves most of that kind of music i'm doing and she's still listening to it but for sure i mean she's she's now 20 years old she's she's a lot listening to different stuff i can tell you right <laughs> and but it's interesting for me too so i keep updated Gotcha. Okay. And one of the things that really stood out to me when listening to the album is just how great and how solid the not only the rhythm guitar tracks are, but the soloing is just really fantastic on the album as well. You, you get a lot of lead players who almost don't know when to cut back with the soloing, but it seems like you had the, the perfect mix of great balanced rhythms and great solos on the album i mean that that's what i always tried in my in my back in my my my, my whole career as a musician uh, there's no need for to show in one minute everything you can do i mean uh, and and if you do if, if you play a solo you still have to tell a story it's not all about techniques or stuff like that and don't play a solo like you do uh, do it with a calculator you know i'll pitch you down up and down it's boring <laughs> after after a couple of seconds you know so uh, i try to to tell something or, or it comes out from my heart or to put a, a, a good tone in it and, and good vibes in it and if you don't know how to use uh, what what you're going to do with a single tone then you shouldn't uh, play a lead 
Is there any guitarist that you listened to that really oh, yeah. influenced you to go in that direction? Not influenced, but a, a, as you start as a musician, and in between the decades I've, I'm doing music, I was quite, from the start on, I was quite impressed about Richie Blackmore or Ted Nugent stuff. Mm-hmm. And then Eddie Van Halen showed up, a fantastic. Then Malmsteen, I'm quite impressed about, about, about him or Gary, Gary Moore for his tone and for his melodies and stuff like that. And then a special one is John Sykes or Doug Aldrich. I mean, all these really good players. I mean, listen to them and then try to learn something. And I'm still learning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Some of those players, or actually all of those players, all have their unique techniques. uh, Yeah. I always always try to have my own kind of like character or not technique, but but the kind of character. I, I always wanted that if people listen to my guitars, they say, oh, that's Herman. Mm-hmm. And that's the best thing you can get, or you, the best thing you have to look for. There are so many guitars and guitar players right now out there. I mean, they sound similar. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm not, that was, I never had been looking for this. I mean, if you listen to Uli, Ro, Uli John Roth, you, mm-hmm. you always recognize him. Right, absolutely. That's that's the thing you should have, have you should have hide, uh, hitting for you know. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, with the members of your band being pieced together from other bands, do you foresee any issues when it comes to touring, or are you guys going to focus on festival dates? What what type of plans do you have when it comes to the tour? I mean, uh, right now only my, uh, Rick is in master plan, and master plan is not that. I mean, they're not touring the whole year, right. and Jaded Hard too, also from Emily. So I, I'm pretty sure that we might find a couple of spots where everybody's available, and so we decided that we do start a kind of like warm-up shows in end of February. Mm-hmm. into March and then because we have to practice a little bit on stage you know we never play together live on a stage <laughs> in this formation right. so we, we might we might need it to warm up and then I am hope to get a couple of festivals for this year uh, and then we will see how the record is doing you know if I mean if it's if it's doing pretty well there might be a lot of shows do you have any other projects planned after this are there any other bands that you envision working with or maybe producing or are you just focusing on the solo work for now right now i'm really kind of like focusing on the on the on this hammer frank and because uh, i now got the chance to, fo- to have this band and and go on with it but on this side i mean i, I love to have a, a couple of playgrounds <laughs> i can step <laughs> on so sure. uh, i've just finished mixing a victory live album with 22 tracks okay we recorded uh, during the last two years. The title will be two years and a few years later. (laughs) (laughs) So kind of like rock and roll. And I will put this out maybe end of December, January, something like that. But nothing nothing else is planned so far on other projects. Okay. Actually, I already started writing the next album, Hammer Frank album. (laughs) Oh, excellent. Do you have any type of timetable for that would you like to have that out in a year two no. years no whenever no no i think in between one year maybe next winter time okay. let's keep I, I want to keep on working on this thing a, a moment ago you brought up uh uli john roth and uh, coincidentally yeah. i'm going to be doing a 
special on the Scorpions, who were obviously from your hometown, from Hanover. Yeah. Um, How much of an influence was the Scorpions once they became, you know, a well-known band? Did you feel any sort of pressure coming from Hanover uh, as a result of their popularity? No, actually, I'm... I, I was born down south in, in Germany, oh, but okay. I, I moved. I, I moved to to Hanover after uh, I was in acceptable in Solingen, and then I was doing Sinne, and then I guess 25 years ago at least <laughs> I moved to Hanover. But hey, there had been always idols, you know. I mean, they are so big, and, and there's there's a huge band, and uh, yeah, I mean, there had been. Kind of like Idol Force, and it's a different, different class and different mm-hmm. style too. I mean, they're so huge, you can't compare to them. They're they're world, they're all over the world, really huge band. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when you heard them for the first time? What type of? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I maybe I was eighteen or nineteen, something like that, and back to my hometown next to Nuremberg. We had to listen. I got a chance to listen to them when they just came back from the uh, one of the first Japan Japan tours, Mm -hmm. Japan tours. Yeah. And they played the song. He's he's a woman and she she's a man. Stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was fantastic. I mean, the first time I saw Uli John Roth was I think six Marshall cabinets. I said once in my lifetime I want to have this equipment. Stuff like that, and I I would like love to play like uh, on a stage like this. So I, w- I was a really young kid and saw them, and it was pretty exciting for me. I'm assuming that you've met them over the years. What what has that sort of encounter been like? They are they they're still kind of like stars for me. <laughs> I mean, I talked to I mean when I met meet Rudolf and it, it, it's a cup. Once in a couple of years, you know, they're really busy and around, and I was around the world. But on on a couple of parties or events, you you meet them, and then you just talk to them. I mean, we know each other by name, and then you say, hey, how is it going, blah, 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 blah. I, I kind of <laughs> like small talk. Right. I mean, I, I'm not a friend of Rudolf, you know. <laughs> he's not he's not not my generation, and, and he's, yeah... We know each other. And then he asked, hey, how's your flying doing or stuff like that? Gotcha. Okay. And the album that we're actually going to be focusing on is Blackout. Uh, do you have any memories of that album specifically? Not specifically. I mean, I followed their career all the time. I mean, it's okay. the, the most successful German rock band and so you listen to all all kind of all the albums okay. i mean for sure um, i'm still i'm still a fan of the a couple of the older songs but i or also listen to the newer ones all right well if anyone wants to um keep up with what you have going on where should they go is there any specific place on the internet or social media oh, that yeah. you want to point them to uh, that, that, that's my website uh, com. Okay. Or go on Facebook. They, the record company, uh, they just opened my uh, opened for me a, a new Facebook site, <laughs> and I'm really proud about that because I didn't know how to open it. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So it's Herman Frank Band. 
Hi, people out there. It's Herman Frank speaking. You're listening to Mars Attack broadcast. Zone. A little earlier, we heard Shout before the interview. Those are two sound samples coming off of The Devil Rides Out by Herman Frank. Please support the bands you love and support the podcast at the same time. Click on any one of the links in the show notes. We have uh, links to either this album, the ball, 
the ball rides out. Okay, the devil rides out, mixing the title of the album and the, and the track there. I apologize. Pick that up on Amazon, or there are links to the last Victory album or the Panzer album that he did a few years back. And there's also a link to the Next to None album. And we have Max Portnoy coming up in a second, but I do want to thank our good friend Dustin Hardman from AFM for helping hook up the interview with Herman Frank. So definitely check that out. Moving forward, like I said, we have Max on the show next. And we're going to jump into a track. This is coming off of A Light in the Dark from a next to none. Let's get into the track called You Are Not Me. Yeah. 
for me anyway, and for a lot of different people, the first time that we ever saw you was playing along your dad in a practice video of him playing along to, and you playing along to Avenged Sevenfold's uh, Nightmare track. Um, how old were you when you guys shot that? Uh, that was such a long time ago. I don't remember. I think it was 2010, so I was probably 10 in that video. But, huh. yeah, that, that, was, that was so long ago. I remember doing that, actually. And now, now I think that video has, like, a million views, so, like, I, it's crazy. I mean, that, that was, like, five years ago. That's so long. I don't even remember that. Yeah. How old were you when you picked up the, the drums or you started actually playing any sort of instrument? Um, well, I mean, the first time I think I started, you know, just banging on stuff was about, like, three. But when I was about five, I, I took it seriously, and, you know, I wanted to get lessons and stuff, and I wanted to make it, like, a real thing. So it was about five, and, you know, as the years went on, I just got more and more serious about it. And, you know, when I was about ten, I, I decided, you know, I wanted to form a band and stuff and, you know, get really serious about it. Did you ever look at, like, these videos online of kids covering other bands and thinking, wow, you know, I can do that or I can do better than that? Um, yeah, I, I always, you know, look up, like, uh, cover videos and stuff just because I, I find it fun to, like, watch other people play, you know, peop uh, you know other people's music. But um, someone actually, a couple of people have actually done covers of, you know, our songs, like You Are Not Me and stuff. There's... Like two <laughs> drum covers. Uh, there's one of Control. There's a guitar cover of You Are Not Me. So, so it's pretty cool that people are actually making covers of, you know, my stuff. So I, I, I think that's super cool, and I appreciate that. But, you know, I never get, like, jealous of anyone or anything, you know. When, when I see someone playing something difficult, you know, I just kind of think that's, that it's awesome and stuff. Obviously, everyone is going to point towards your father as being the main influence for you playing the drums or picking up an instrument, but what are some of your other uh, influences as far as a drummer uh, is concerned? Who are some of the other artists that you would point to as being a big influence on what you're doing with uh, Next to None? Um, you know, just kind of as, you know, a f music sort of thing, and I guess you could say like, my biggest band influence is Slipknot easily, just because I grew up with them and I listened to, you know, their music since I was a little boy, and it, they're my favorite band, and I can, like, name every song, and, like, they really have an impact on me, so they would be my number one musical influence, but, you know, drummer-wise, drummer I guess my biggest influence after my dad would either be Chris Adler from Lamb of God or, you know, Joey Jordison, so they, they would probably be my biggest drum influences after my dad. When Joey left Slipknot, did, did you think, hey, maybe in a few years I could jump into that spot if they still need someone? I never thought about it, but, you know, it would be awesome. But, you know, uh, Jay, Jay's the new guy. I mean, everyone knows that already. But, um, yeah, yeah I, I think I think he did. he's doing a really great job of it. I mean, uh, I think if there was someone to be able to replace Joey, I think it was probably him, and he, he's doing a great job of it. It's funny, I saw a video of him at, uh, Rock and Rio, I think it was, playing uh, People Equal Shit and something else. And, like, the whole article was like, oh, my God, Max Weinberger's son can 
is a totally amazing drummer and this and that. And I'm thinking, well, the guy's been playing professionally for what, <laughs> 15 years now. So obviously yeah. if, if he sucked, he wouldn't be part of Slipknot, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think that Rock and Rio show was like a couple days ago, actually, because I remember seeing them yeah. post about it. Yeah, they had um, like a drum cam going. And it's funny because towards the end of like the video, there's like pyro going on around him. So like they're trying to catch the pyro and catch him at the same time. And all, I could, all I could think of as a drummer myself thinking i can't even imagine what all that heat would feel like as i'm playing you know <laughs> yeah um when i went to go see slipknot with my dad a couple months ago we we got to you know watch slipknot from from on the stage and we sat behind jay while he was playing and watched him and the pyro was going off like next to us and it was super hot so i can't even imagine what it's like to do that while playing with like a mask and everything so i, I can't right. even imagine what it's like absolutely yeah and Wow. <laughs> I, and Joe used to wear the damn jumpsuits, so go figure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was unbearable. Yeah, so anyway, we've been talking about all this stuff. Let's let's talk a little bit about Next to None. Um, how did the band get together? Um, well, I mean, uh, I knew uh, Chris and Ryland since about first grade, and we used to jam all the time and just kind of do random stuff. We never really picked songs or wrote anything. We just kind of jammed. And, you know, as the years went on, we started, you know, writing some stuff that wasn't really good, though. But once we found uh, a singer who was Thomas, we, we met up with him in sixth grade, and we got along with him, and he he was into the same music as us. So, like, once we found the singer and keyboard player, we were like, well, let's just form a band and start writing some serious stuff and you know uh from then that was about i think 2012 i think it was and at that point we just kind of played some local shows you know doing covers and stuff but we were writing stuff that ended up being on our ep and then from the ep we wrote what is now a light in the dark i mean i think is a lot you know more mature than what was on the ep as well the writing on the the full length how how long like how, how long has that material been around it, it, did you take stuff that was around for quite some time and just decide to you know make it better per se or is it stuff that you guys just wrote on the spot specifically for the full length um every song is kind of different i mean like i said we've been writing everything since the ep which was like what 2013 i think and that was when that got released, and that and we were writing stuff before that. So you know, one of the songs, "Lost," is actually you know super old one. We were writing that before we even you know had like stuff for the EP. That was like one of the first songs we ever wrote, and we never recorded that on the EP. So you know, in the future, we kind of came back to it and we're like, let's make it better. And we just kind of looked back at the ideas, and you know, made made them better and more mature. And we ended up putting it on the full length album. But then songs like Blood on My Hands and Control were written specifically for the album, you know, like a year before we went into the studio. So, you know, everything's different. You know, some songs have been around for like four years. Some have been around for two. You know, everything's different. And once you finally got into the studio, obviously growing up in, in a musical environment, but being on the other side of things, maybe, you know, not being there as, as, a, as a casual visitor or whatever, what was it like to actually sit behind the kit and record your stuff in a formal environment? Did you 
know what to expect? Was it different than what you had anticipated or was it exactly what you knew or you knew exactly what you were getting into from the get-go? Um, I kind of knew what I was getting into because, you know, a couple months before we went in, my dad kind of talked to us and, you know, uh, went through what exactly was going to happen and what we needed to do and how to stay organized and everything. So we kind of had a little bit of an idea. But once we got there, we got there like a day or two before we actually started recording just to set everything up and get comfortable with the studio. And then, you know, once that first day came, I had to do my drum tracks. And I remember sitting down and, you know, it, it just kind of came naturally to me because we already had the clicks and everything, so I was well rehearsed with that. And, you know, the second we went to do the first take, I just kind of banged it out and it was good and I didn't have any trouble and I just had fun. Very cool. How did your dad end up producing the album? Was there anyone else that you guys had considered or did you know right from the start that he was going to be involved in the album in one way or another? Uh, it was just from the start. We just instinctively knew to go with him. Nobody even, like talked about another producer doing it it was just always like oh you know my dad will just do it and it just kind of went from that he just kind of was the chosen one <laughs> gotcha um how different is it working with him as a producer as to you know him obviously being your dad <laughs> um I, I mean i really enjoyed having him there i mean like pro i probably wanted to like be there for like the next album as well i think Everyone got along with him, but, you know, any, you know, ideas or anything that he, you know, had. I mean, not like writing-wise, but like things were in the studio. We, um, you know, we all liked and everything, and he got along with us. I mean, not only did I grow up with him being his son, but he knew Chris and Ryland since uh, first grade as well, like, like I did. So, you know, we all knew each other for so long, so we all have a great bond already. Gotcha. And that would make sense, you know, bring someone in that obviously you guys are all comfortable with. And as far as with him working from that standpoint, were there different things that would come up as you guys were recording? Were there different maybe ideas that he would draw from, from maybe his own experience recording with all the bands that he's been with? Um, yeah, I mean, he definitely was, you know, obviously the wisest one there. We had no idea what the hell we were doing while we were there. So he was basically showing us, you know, exactly what to do and get everything organized. So he he had the he had this chart idea that he says he does with every one of his bands, and he did it back with Dream Theater and everything. We just kind of went out. We bought this giant like whiteboard chart thing, and we just you know had every single track that we recorded listed on there with like check marks next to the ones we used and stuff. And we had like uh, check marks to like how many like. Uh, takes and everything and how far everything has come so that that helped us keep, stay organized and everything and uh, he had like a bunch of ideas that were like really helpful like that okay and were there any tracks that after you heard the final mix really surprised you or stood out from all the others um I think Runaway honestly that was I think the first you know mix that came through I think and it was the first time, you know, us for us that we ever heard any of our songs, you know, being like super professionally mixed and everything. And it was the first time we've ever heard anything. So that was the the very first, you know, uh, reaction I've ever had towards that. And it was insane. And I couldn't stop like looping in and everything on the way to like the studio and the way back. So it was it was really cool. If you were to take next to none out from a touring perspective.
and you'd be able to put sort of a dream package together and have a band play with you guys that's still around and a band that is no longer together, uh, what two bands would you pick? So one that's together and one that's not together? Yes. All right, so my all-time dream one would be, um, you know, it would be us and then Slipknot since they're my favorite band. And I guess I would want to have Pantera there too. That'd be super sick. That would be a, a very interesting bill. <laughs> yeah, it would be. As far as touring, do you guys have anything planned for uh, doing any sort of shows in the near future? Uh, yeah, we actually have a, a ton of shows booked right now. We have this month we're doing a bunch of shows. We have a bunch of shows with uh, Fate's Warning this month. And then, you know, in uh, November, we're kind of doing our own thing with this other local band called ADD. Um, yeah, we're, we're just kind of going around like the, um, uh, what is it, uh, uh, New York, upstate New York area, and we're going to okay. be doing a bunch of shows. But, you know, for this month, we have uh, the shows of Fate's Warning. We have the 9th. We have, we're in Connecticut um, with them, and then we're going to be in, in you know, uh, the 10th, the 13th, the 16th, the 23rd. We're just going to be doing a bunch of shows and stuff, and then, you know, like, I think it's November, what is it, it's like 8th through the 16th, I think, and, yeah, that's November, that's kind of our own tour, so, you know, I'm super excited about that. Awesome, and those guys aren't any slouches either. Do you feel any pressure to go out with a band like Fate's Warning? Um... I don't really feel pressure, but I am extremely excited because I, I know how, you know, amazing they are and how great they are. So I'm super excited. I mean, it's going to be like one of the coolest, you know, tours we've been on. I mean, the, the last one we were on was, was with Haken, and that was extremely insane as well. I mean, those guys were extremely talented. They were really nice. So that was, you know, another tour that was super awesome. But the one with Fates coming up is just going to be, extremely awesome where should people go to keep up with everything that you have going on with next to none um i think people should either go to uh one or two one of two places either go to our website which is next to none.net or go to our facebook page with his which you can just you know search next to none and it'll pop up on facebook uh those are probably the two most you know uh, regularly used places we have our tour dates up on our websites and stuff so Definitely those two places, but, you know, we also have other places like uh, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. Those are all next to them banned, so if you're more Twitter person, then go check us out there. Gotcha. And if someone wants to pick up the album, where's the best place for them to do that? Um, You can find the album, like, anywhere. I, I know you can go to, like, uh, I think they have them at, like, basically any CD store you go to. They're on Amazon, you know, obviously it's on iTunes where you can get it. So, um, yeah, basically like anywhere you can find a CD, you'll find us. And you, you prefer to have people either picking up the digital or uh, physical copy as opposed to streaming it online from Spotify or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, obviously I'd, I'd rather have them buy the album than streaming it because I, I, I'm against streaming. I mean, they just... Spotify just, you know, steals everyone's music and just puts it on there, and fans are losing a lot of money, like, so are, you know, record companies as well. So I just like supporting other bands and stuff. But um, I, whether it be, like, the digital download or the CD copy, I'd personally take the CD just because it's cool to have the booklet, and there's, like, 
all little, you know, all the lyrics, and there's like kind of little hints towards uh, the concept we have on the, in the booklet. So, you know, I think it's just pretty cool I get that. Awesome. Definitely something that's, uh, uh, that you miss out on, at least for me, not having the you know ability to pick up CDs all the time and actually having a band go out and, and do that, put a, a whole concept together that actually would make you want to buy the CD. I think a lot of bands and people have forgotten about that. It's almost like a lost art. Yeah, it is, and I think that's one of the coolest things is when you get the CD, you know, you have the booklet, which, you know, has all, like, the cool artwork and everything, so I, I personally like getting the CD better. Hey, guys, it's Max Portnoy from Next None, and you're listening to Mars Attack. <laughs>
ago, that was lost by Next to None. Remember to support them by clicking on the links in the show notes to pick up their album right there on Amazon. And it gives us a small kickback as well. Uh, You don't pay anything more, but Amazon is nice enough to split their profit with us. So there you go. Not exactly split it. They give us a, a small percentage. So there you go. Uh, I want to thank Max for taking the time to talk to me, and I wish him nothing but luck, and um, it'll be interesting to see how things move forward. Hopefully, you know, we talked about Jay Weinberg a bit during the episode. Uh, Hopefully, you know, him, hopefully Max and Mike can be similar to Jay and Max (laughs) of the E Street Band, uh, Max Weinberg, and have that same type of father-son success and would be cool to see another video, you know, with them sort of dueling with one another as uh, there's a video online that you can see where Jay and Max Weinberg are are doing that. It's pretty cool. I always have always enjoyed it. Anyway, we are going to end the episode with another track off of the, or I should say a sound sample off of the Herman Frank album. The name of this track is Running Back. It kicks off the album, The Devil Rides Out. So thanks for listening to this episode and hope you check out all of my various endeavors that I've mentioned before. Help support us any way you can. And that's that. We'll see you next time right here on the Mars Attacks podcast. This is Herman Frank with Running Back. See ya.
you for listening to the Mars Attacks podcast. This concludes our show. 